the mundane and the spiritual path. Yes, that's I'm going to talk about that. So the mundane path, they kind of already already know about that. It's uh, we we go to school, we get an education, or we or we drop out and do something else, and we go back, recommit ourselves, or we get a job, or we join the military. Or we, uh, it's just on and on, all kinds of uh, mainly accomplishment or or uh, uh, avoiding and pursuing mentality, quite a bit. Pursuing something, avoiding something else. Avoiding this, but doing that. And flipping it around, saying, I really should have been doing that. What was I thinking? How many times have you said that to yourself? What was I thinking? You should record that the next time you do it. <laughs> I know it's not very funny, but it really is. <laughs> really funny. You're quite humorous. So, what I'm here, I'm not here to promote anything, uh, but rather to talk about the amazing way in which our life appears to each one of us is so completely different. It's so, this is called dependent origination. This is called uh, uh, tributary streams flowing through the darkness. As I was just asked, asked this morning about that part of the Hokyo's on my. You can't actually trace any cause down. You can't find the original source of anything. I mean, you could look, and you might be seduced into going here, going there, looking at this, looking at that, opening this up, closing that down, checking this out, adding these up, all over. Path. It's a path. And that path can be run by your hopes and dreams, your wishes, your desires. Not wrong. I'm not here to stop anybody from doing anything. If you come and say, eh, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go. I'm going to learn to do motocross. You know, it's more exciting. There's more of an accomplishment. I sit and look at the wall, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. This is disturbing to me. I don't really want to do this anymore. And you know what I would say. I would say, good luck. And I, and I might even, at the same time, I even say, I wonder, maybe I saw something I didn't see or something. Maybe this is something they need to do. <clears throat> Mundane, or ordinary, flat, uh, pretty easy to look at the various uh, items that make up the pathway, the scenery and everything for quite quite a few of us, if you're going to go and get a degree in something, it's kind of laid out. The society has constructed that. And since uh, in the material world, when you put something up there, it generally stays there, generally. But in the spiritual realm, uh, you not only cannot find any place to put anything, you can't find anything. But something's going on in that area. When I say going on, it's not exactly going on, nor is it not going on. That's why it's called the spiritual path. We don't know what it is, but we, we experience that all the time. We experience it in our dreams, this realm and the dreams. It looks like there's time and space, and we wake up and realize that there wasn't any time and space there. There was no past, no future. There was not even anything solid. But it was completely convincing, so convincing that we can awaken and have uh, something we were tasting uh, intensely in a dream be completely gone. Yet it was completely real. Something we were completely terrified of is completely gone. Very interesting area, the dream area, which we're uh, under Chazan's leadership here. We're all doing some uh, exercises in that area. Intensive dream practice. Intentional dream practice. So, um, mundane path, we're all doing that to some extent. Some of us have been to school, been to college, been to gotten degrees, uh, have different uh, careers or ways of making a living, have a different way of moving in the world and uh, valuing some things and 
not particularly putting too much emphasis on others. And what uh, what shows up or may show up, you could have, a person could live their whole life and not really think too much about the spiritual path. This does not mean they're not spiritual. It just means they don't think much about the spiritual path. Please don't think about that too much. You'll get an excedrin headache. <laughs> so the whole idea of thinking is something we take for granted. We take for granted that we, we act as if thoughts are just, you know, we, well, what have you been thinking about? What do you think about what I'm thinking about? This is it's an astonishing thing that we completely take for granted. It's absolutely amazing. It's so, it's, it's practically miraculous that there is such a thing as thoughts, that there is such a thing as consciousness. We just take it for granted. We wake up and, you know, in our case, is this a fasting day or is this a, a very ordinary, mundane, 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 ordinary? We're not separating the two. In fact, in infection, we're trying to look at something in such a way that we see that they're not separate. But in order to do that, you first have to look at it intensely, minus the, uh, the imputation or the imagination that, that this is that, that this is actually this. This is called uh, projection. Something arises, and if it does anything at all that triggers anything that has been uninspected in this whole matrix we call the uh, eight consciousnesses, or conscious nine, is that plural? Plural singular. Uh, sometimes you get plural and singular mixed up, and that's that's not not a really healthy kind of dyslexia. It could get you in a lot of trouble, <laughs> or not. So a mundane path will have be laid out. Or you can get help in this area. You can have someone teach you how to how to learn uh, a language. You can someone can teach you, and you can make progress. There's ways of it's so. Uh, obvious that you can compare and see how you're doing compared to the way someone else, someone else has the same teacher yet they're doing better than you are. And so you're, you know, so you're, there's all kinds of evaluation that actually holds up as something that is, is uh, possible to study and come up with similar uh, observations or similar uh, conclusions or sim uh, as others. So there's a reassurance that this is a valid thing to do or, Studying this, studying that, doing this, doing that, devoting our life to biology or devoting ourselves to uh, um, uh, nursing, devoting our life to counseling people, helping people, devoting ourselves to uh, teaching the Dharma. It all has everything has its mundane aspect, <clears throat> and so it's a. I'm not here to particularly contrast that and say this is the spiritual path is highly elevated above everything else, and whereas the mundane path is, you know, not so important. That's it. And what is being looked at here is the whole idea of importance. We get our ideas of importance through through contrast and then through evaluation and through, through judgment and so on. So let me, let me go a little further here before I respond to questions. It seems that in order to uh, practice or study or enter, walk, the spiritual path seems to be necessary to have some kind of inspiration that, that kind of goes beyond the mundane path. Uh, when any on the mundane path, anytime someone wants to dedicate their life to others, this is starting to have a quality of the spiritual path that's, that is, if, if not, uh, uh, if not uh, identical with it in some ways, is at least uh, reverberating with that, is at least... Um, not separating itself from that. So sometimes a person can dedicate their whole life uh, to uh, serving others 
and have it have that path be a spiritual, have a mundane path that has a spiritual uh, aspect to it because one is uh, self-effacing or self or giving of one's own energy uh, and to uh, helping others. So it can have that quality. Um, so there's different levels of that. And of course, as we know, there are different uh, traditions since beginning of this time. Human beings have tried to understand. Well, they understand, they see this, and then they want to know how, because of the nature of human beings, because of the incredible curiosity we have about what is it, we're very uh, transcendentally nosy about everything. We want to know why this, why that, why are they doing that? Why do they dance in a circle? Why are they making those sounds? Why do why do people chant mantras or why do people pray? Unless you, perhaps you were raised in that, where you may be finding that your parents are telling you, you know, you need to do this, you need to practice this, you need to study this, you need to um, believe in Buddha, believe in uh, in, uh, in Allah, believe in uh, God, believe in Christ. But quite often, we're even though there's some kind of uh, you could say indoctrination going on in any of the any at all. Uh, there's people still want to do this themselves, usually, not always. They want to understand it themselves, or they might just disown it. I'm not even interested in that. I'm, quite often, people go the other way and actually fight with people who are on spiritual paths, which is uh, just another way of saying uh, they're hooked on it too, just on the other end. So the way it's talked about from this place here is the mundane path is uh, pragmatic, practical, has uh, observable uh, qualities to it that are that you can uh, compare notes on they're very similar how to get a how to become a veterinarian how to become how to become uh, a mechanic or something are very similar kinds of things they're mundane and they the, the causes and conditions that show up in that area are repeatable and quite often don't have a lot of uh, excuse me variables whereas spiritual path as soon as you start looking at something that has no solid proof, then uh, quite often most uh, spiritual paths go into believing. And that, that is they posit something and say it's true. We're not saying it isn't true. I'm not here to argue with anyone. I'm saying a theistic approach is to take uh, uh, the, through using your, your tradition and to, to emphasize that and use that. Not incorrect, even from the Buddhist perspective, not incorrect. It's just a way of practicing. Now, some people need, uh, excuse me, some people need to practice that way. Just the way they're wired, they need to do it in that way. And they should be, that uh, should be respected, no matter how unusual it might look to someone who, say, is uh, agnostic or atheist or any of the other ists that are out there, or isms, and there's a lot. But the fundamental approach of spiritual path seems to be trying to find out what is true, not what you should believe in. What you should believe in, because this is how uh, this is how it looks. When you start believing in something, you start inspecting it, or you stop inspecting it, or looking at it, or investigating it. This does not mean you shouldn't do that. It just means that uh, you're you believe it, and so that's your approach. And if that is valid for you, you should do it. Uh, this particular spiritual path is characterized as non-theistic. And it's not any more correct or right than any other one, any other path. It's just that this is the only way some people can do this, is to actually do it through their own consciousness rather than through uh, attaching to or worshiping or, or uh, uh, praising some other kind of uh, 
creator principle, you might say. So this particular, the non-theistic approach is to uh, uh, start where you are, start here. And of course, uh, 2,500 years ago, as far as we know, that's what the Buddha did. He sat, looked at the situation, saw that life was suffering. He saw there was a, a sickness, aging and death and thought, what is this about? What am I, what am I doing? I'm a king. I'm in a palace. Uh, I'm going to inherit the throne from my dad, I'm a, or a prince rather. And somehow this is just not adding up for me. Even though there were uh, uh, Hindu uh, priests around were trying to get a handle on him and get, keep him from doing whatever they thought he might do. And his uh, father, of course, was pretty upset with him. But he eventually, with a lot, through a lot of uh, uh, turmoil and angst, he, he eventually left and uh, went off into the forest, uh, the woods, the mountains or whatever. And, and as the story goes, meditated for six years. Six years, yeah, six years. Might have been ten. Who knows? So, what was that about? Why would somebody? What what prompts someone to do that? There's no way to know. What what I could might say to you, uh, the people, especially people who live in this monastery, or who uh, who are really tr uh, studying these teachings. What prompts you to come here? Have you been sold a bill of goods? If so, I'd like to see it. Uh, nothing is promised at all. That's from the point of the perspective of the Buddha Dharma or the awakened truth. Uh, that's a, that's very disrespectful to someone to try to sell them or convince them of anything. People should be treated with respect and allowed to walk their spiritual path. We certainly don't interfere with anyone's spiritual path. If we can help it, at least I don't. I sometimes say to people, especially people who are new to this kind of practice, mind your own business. Don't try to convince anyone to meditate or read my book or not interested in that. I don't, I don't really need any promotion. If what I say or what I'm doing here as a teacher uh, is, doesn't make any sense, then everyone will leave and I'll stay home or I'll move to where we're going to move to somewhere. Huh? No. Not <laughs> Sarasota. No, I don't want to go to Sarasota. <laughs> so the idea here is to is to show that the mundane path is very pragmatic and practical, and it's materialistic. We we want to see if we're getting somewhere, if we're accomplishing something, and this uh, materialism even sh shows up in all the other, you know, all the other paths, the theistic paths. Any any spiritual path is going to have a certain element of materialism to it. Am I getting something out of this? And um, from the point of view of uh, Buddhism or this kind of practice. Uh, that's something that is a, a waste of energy because what you are endeavoring to uh, find out, you already are. You already are. We are, as has been said before, I'm repeating it again because it's a pretty good thing to say, we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. You're always a spiritual being. Your body-mind collapses and goes back into the elements. You haven't gone anywhere. Who you actually are has not gone anywhere unless your mind, when you passed away, was spinning at incredible speed and was suffering and was uh, afraid and worried, then you might find some of that, a little bit of a hold over there. That doesn't mean you're in hell. It doesn't mean, it just means it could be difficult. Or not, maybe not, maybe not at all. Question? What is the vow of serving others after death? You mean the bodhisattva vow? It just continues. How does that continue? I don't know, I haven't died yet. <laughs> I'll let you know.
<laughs> Especially you. <laughs> Come back and haunt you. <laughs> Probably the momentum of wanting to serve others and be, a, a be of, of help to others. Not meddle with them. I'm not talking about getting... You can help somebody without them, them ever even knowing that you're a Buddhist, especially as a monk. They don't even have to know about it. Not important. What's important is to help them, not to change their philosophy or their ideas. This is extra, and this may be more about you wanting to control somebody. So when you pass away, which uh, probably will occur, uh, then your, your intention to be of service to others is the most important thing. That's the Bodhisattva vow, putting others before yourself. That's the vow we all, any, anyone who's received vows here, that's the vow you. And how you do that can be pretty confusing because it doesn't mean don't watch your health, don't brush your teeth, uh, just take care. It doesn't mean turning into some kind of a martyr. We don't even have the word martyr. Don't use it. But it just means insofar as you can, try to give other people the benefit of the doubt on things. And you would continue to do that in a, who knows how that will show up. More? Uh, can that motivation to serve others include like an intense curiosity of wanting to explore things when you're well it could be sure nothing's ruled out yeah there's all the all the comings and goings are, are still going to be operating on some level and and don't believe anything i say and don't disbelieve anything i say and don't ignore it yes sir do we have to understand this ourselves before we can help others much in the same way we have to see how things are separate before we can see other no you can start right away it's just more difficult when there's a lot of ego set up there and you're wanting you're wanting to be appreciated for helping others quite often people spend their time helping others but really what they really want is they want you to know they're a helping person it's like it's like giving somebody something and then wanting to make sure they know that you did it so like i have it coming back by the way i i was the one who Help you. <laughs> More about that? Good. Yeah. So, yes. A question from Shane down in Texas. Shane. Yes. Does one ever find out what is true? So, what we find out is the nature of truth. That's what we find out. And so, there's in our, in our tradition, it's talked uh, relative truth. Uh, fire is hot, water is wet, earth is hard, wind moves. All simple things that uh, you know. Being very simplistic, but we, it's a relative situation is true as opposed to false. True and false, true and false. You can't have one thing be relatively true without its opposite somewhere. That It gets its meaning from its opposite. Ultimate truth doesn't have an opposite. Just like uh, uh, if you were to say this in a theistic sense, you would say uh, there's only God. Yes. Going off of Andrew's question, what is it, um, or how can we help others when we're still wrapped up in ourselves? Where does that begin? So you start by seeing you're wrapped up in yourself, and you don't do anything about it, other than you don't increase it if you can help it, and you, you look at it. And then if and at some point, some kind of spaciousness is, if there's an intention to be of service to others, which is called, uh, in our uh, tradition, compassion or uh, unlimited friendliness to others, then even though the person is giving you a hard time, you see if you can find a way to be supportive of them. They might not even know. It might be the supportiveness might, might just be listening to them, listening to their rant or listening to their um, finger pointing, whatever it may be. Being, being open to them, being, being willing to communicate with someone even though they're difficult and even cooperate if they're up for that. Quite often people who are having a hard time are not, they don't really want cooperation because it doesn't show up well on their radar screen. That makes you, makes you not what they're projecting onto you as being uh, 
wrong. Go ahead. Um, I was also wondering, coming back to the title of the talk, um, how the mundane path can become the spiritual path, like that job or family. The mundane path, eventually, when one begins to see from the perspective, from the teaching of the Buddha, which is uh, everything is dependently arisen, which is a simple statement, but very difficult to understand. Not, not Intellectually, you can understand it, but to understand it with your consciousness, with consciousness only. That's, that's, uh, could take a lifetime. You could practice it your whole life and not realize it. Go ahead. Sometimes it seems that certain paths are teaching an artificial type of spirituality, like certain meditative paths, like, oh, be very, very mindful of washing this knife and putting it down. Yeah. And I'm wondering what is the actual nature of a spirituality or, or a spiritual path in the mundane? So I don't teach in that way. I teach train your mind. I teach, uh, teach sit down, hold still, watch the way you keep deceiving yourself over and over and over. That's all meditation is. Meditation isn't about sitting down and uh, going to sleep or becoming holy or going into a trance or even feeling particularly peaceful. Quite often meditation, those of you who have done a lot of it, is pretty painful and difficult because you're looking at the very junk that you've been able to push away before you meditate, you know, hide out from. Uh, those things sometimes come creeping back up again and you can push them away with activity. Uh, you can go bowling, you can play cards, you can get all wound up in your job. You can, you, there's so many things you can do to activities you can do as a physical being to avoid uh, things that you've uh, been trying to hide out from. And, but the spiritual path is to allow all of that to come to the surface and witness every single bit of it and, and be genuine, be accountable for it. Not, not be blamed for it, but be no more war. Uh, the only difference between someone who is, uh, who is clear about this and someone who is not clear is the person who is not clear is at war with himself and at war with the world, on, even on very subtle levels. They might smile at everybody and be at war. But the person who, is, uh, who has understood this is no longer fighting with anything, anywhere. Not fighting with this. Uh, the way I, the image I often use, they've dropped down out of the paranoia and the thinking process into the heart, and they've risen up out of the gut fear in the gut. The gut, hope and fear, it's in the gut, up into the heart. And this doesn't think. It, does, it, it might feel, and it might think, but it's consciousness that's working there more. So to say, to go a little further, the actual mundane path, the touching the table, the cleaning your plate, the brushing your teeth and all of that, uh, you don't have to force feed those things. You don't have to try to make those spiritual things. You can just function. Just do, do the, as you uh, have been doing. And, uh, and spend time sharpening that blade of uh, awareness so that when you do get up off of your meditation cushion, go into your everyday life, that you're as clear as possible about what you're doing. If you're really helping others, you, you won't really know it. They might know it. They might think of you as being a helpful person, but you won't walk around with some kind of interior credential or pat on the back about what a wonderful dude you are. Are girls dudes? No. Dudettes. Dudettes? Okay. Got it. Yes. Um, earlier, you were talking about different jobs like uh, counseling, and you yes. said every everything has its mundane aspect. But you also pointed to yourself and said teaching the Dharma. What's what's mundane about teaching the Dharma? Get in the car, drive in here when I don't feel like it. Uh, having having four or five uh, uh, interviews in a row, I don't feel like doing that. I'd rather go take a nap, watch Netflix. I actually have preferences. I rather I, I don't I don't do things because I like them. I do them because I have to do them. It's choiceless for me. 
it doesn't mean I don't have other ideas about, well, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to do this or do that? I can actually, even though I like a pistachio ice cream, I can eat vanilla all day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you your dad's not smiling? I think he's very unhappy being here. <laughs> that was a joke. Was a joke. <laughs> Go ahead. Another question from Shane. Yes. Does one ever fully leave the mundane path? Your physical being, probably not. It's, it's the, there's nothing wrong with the mundane path. We need it. We have bodies. We we need to um, take a shower. We need to fix our uh, wash our clothes, and we need in, in our society because the the spiritual path isn't particularly supported a little bit, but not our society. If you went to India, uh, you're you're supported. This kind of a path is supported there. This is where the Buddha was born. So there's a there's a support to it, whereas uh, here there's not. So we might need to do more or juju. It feels like we separate the mundane and spiritual paths. Um, what would it look like for us to see that they're not separate? Yeah, you you just won't separate them anymore. You'll see that they're separated, but they're just one. It's just one situation. It's the I always use the metaphor of the hand. You know, the fingers are. You, there's no way the little finger ever fights with the thumb. They're ne they're never in any kind of an argument. It's just a total cooperation all the time. Just it's just cooperation. It's a hand. So it's like when the spiritual path and the mundane path are no longer seen as separate. I'm not saying they come together, but they're no longer seen, seen as separate. Then everything is mundane and everything is spiritual at the same time. And you're, you're in the service of others because you're not separate from anyone. So you no longer have, you know, someone comes in the room as your enemy or is upset with you. You can't separate yourself from them anymore because, they're, because you see deeply that you're not. This doesn't mean you're going to let them shoot you. I'm not saying that you're, you're some kind of a, of a martyr where you cave into negativity, but you also don't uh, add more negativity. You don't go to war with war. This is what society is trying to do. If something gets something, they go, people go to war with it. Not not good. It will not end well. Yes, go ahead. How do we work with our tendency to keep separating them? Just watch it. Don't don't wrestle with it. Just watch the way you'll keep. Watch the way your judgment goes. Watch the way your prejudice works. If, you try, if you're trying to get rid of prejudice, I highly recommend that you don't do that. It's just to be very aware of prejudice. And that way you can, you can uh, make sure that that doesn't get uh, dumped on someone. But to try to shut down on it or get rid of it or stop doing it can be uh, uh, circular. In other words, it looks like it's gone, but something comes along and it triggers that and suddenly you, you have this raging... Prejudice come out of the uh, fifth story window. Uh, another question from Shane. We talk a lot about helping others. How can we help the teacher? I don't know. We need anything? Just, I don't know. Just, uh, I don't need anything. I'll tell you how to help the, help the teacher. Help others. Help the person next to you. Give the person next to you or three doors away or you're in the other room or your mate or whatever. Give them the benefit of the doubt. No blaming. And when you do blame, keep the blame to yourself. Sometimes the feeling of blame comes up. You don't necessarily have to go like this. You can have the feeling of blame and watch that and see that. And, uh, and that's, you can, if you just watch you do nothing with it, you can see it's not really true. It's just how you feel about that. So if you believe your, your thoughts and you believe your feelings, you're going to go in circles. They might be very sophisticated circles, 
that don't look circular to others, but they look they're circular because we, we like it, we don't like it, we like it, we don't like it. You're doing well, now you're not doing so well. Now you're doing well, now you're doing not doing so well. You need to really have respect for others. Have respect for others' suffering. You don't know how uh, others got to where they're at. You don't know how you got to where you're at. Uh, like I say, go look in the mirror. Tell me how you got here. If you think you have so much control over your life, did you? would you have picked these ears again? Would you have decided you were going to be male or female or born in this country or born on this earth or born at all? We don't make, it's interesting that we, we don't make the choice to even be here that we know of. And yet one, now that we're here, suddenly we're enjoined to somehow make the right choices. If you're born to a couple of crackheads in uh, Detroit, you're going to, and you're 13 years old, you're going to have trouble making right choices. I, I met somebody who, who that happened to, I'm not just making stuff up. It was difficult. Although that person, uh, the last I heard was doing extremely well working with her mind. Yes. A question from Mariah uh, in Texas. Yes. She asks, what's the boundary between helping others and meddling in their karma? Yeah. Uh, mind your own business. Don't, don't help someone else unless you're invited and make sure that they really mean it. Leave them alone. But don't, as I sometimes say, don't, don't ignore them. Don't just turn your back. Well, I, they haven't asked me for my help. So no, you can hang out with them and stay, interact with them, talk to them. But as far as going in and making suggestions on what they should do, you should be very careful about giving anybody advice based on your own confusion. Unless you feel like you're extremely clear and not confused about anything, then I'd say go, go right ahead. But I would say that's a pretty confusing state of mind to be in, thinking you're right about everything. Yes? No. Yes? What should we do when we observe the will to act on something that we don't think will be helpful for someone else. Should we stop it? Yeah. Yeah, you could. I mean, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say for someone to do that unless they were a meditator. If, if a person doesn't have a, a doesn't have a meditation practice where they've been looking at the way the mind works daily after day after day after day, then that might be too aggressive to do that with yourself. If you're at, if you're in that point, you might go ahead and do it. But just watch what you're doing. Just uh, see the see the. The, just the logistics of doing that uh, and how you might be able to see it through, especially through your intellect. You might be able to say the way this actually is unworkable. And you can actually see the structure of it. Do you follow me? Conceptually. You can see conceptually that, that what is happening here and what in your idea about what somebody, some, what someone is doing is based on your conceptual constructs about what's happening to them. So it may seem very valid. So I would say, First of all, I would say meditate, but then I would also say if you can, without going to war, if you can hold back that energy, it's called patience. And it's not really waiting. Patience is not waiting for something else. Patience isn't even waiting. Waiting is means there's something you want that you're waiting for it to, for the bell to ring. You know, set the timer on the cookie dough or whatever. But but patience is. Just this. It's always just this. There isn't something else. If you think there's something else, you'll suffer. I'm not condemning you, but I'm saying if you, it's just if you think there's something else and something you want, or something else and something you don't want, or something else and you're, unconcer- you're not concerned with, or you're, then that sets up a kind of a rotation that uh, will trip you up. Maybe not this week, but eventually. Other questions? Shoto. What is helping others? Minding, minding your own business. Mind your own business. Don't 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 interfere with somebody else's life based on. We don't abandon them. 
There's more there, but I have to respond that way to start with, and you should ask another question. It needs to be a really good one, though. <laughs> Go ahead. What is minding our business when we're invited in to help somebody? Well, if you're actually invited, if someone says, what should I do about this, then probably is a good chance they want to hear what you have to say. But then watch, watch them closely as you're doing that. Watch their body language. People, uh, the, the slightest body language will tell you when somebody has stopped listening to you. It doesn't mean there's flaps come over their ears. It means that they're, they're, you'll know. You just, you're already, you'll, you just know when someone is, you're starting to t tell them something, and then you see that they're not really listening. So why would you keep, talk keep talking? There's no point in continue to maybe raise the tone of your voice a little. Maybe they're not hearing you. Maybe poke them a little bit. I thought you asked me for help, trying to help you. You don't even appreciate me. Here I am spending all this time trying to help you, and what do I get? Not listening. God, you're not a parent yet, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yet. <laughs> so it's, it's just being, uh, if you're a meditator, then you'll see more clearly what's happening with others through your own projections. We tend to Quite often, the confusion that we see about others is a projection, is something we're thinking about them. If you see what something is fundamentally, without your addition, I like them, I don't like them, they're good, they're bad, they're, they're crazy, they're all the various things, those are the intense forms, but there's very subtle forms of projection onto people that we think are true. We think we're looking at something that's there when actually we're looking at something we think about them. If you, if you can look at something without thinking anything about it, which is not easy, You'll see who is there. You'll see what is there. And I can tell you in two words what is there. Not separate. You're not separate from anybody. Anywhere. The most horrible person. You're not separate from them. Yes? What is minding your own business within the bow of saving all sentient beings? Minding your own business. And if you do that, that means that, that when the others around you will, will make it, if you're clear and you're minding your own business and you're, you're keeping your own counsel, so to speak, uh, then when those around you, in this case, in this case here, the Sangha, people in this meditation hall, people in your community uh, out in Bellevue, your, your, uh, your husband or your family or whatever, uh, there's more listening going in. You're actually listening to what they're saying. And even though you might feel like, well, that's, you might have a second thought about what somebody said, well, that's not particularly true. But you wouldn't say it necessarily. You would listen. You might even say, I see what you're saying. Doesn't mean you believe it. Doesn't mean you disbelieve it. But a little bit of communication, the most important part of a relationship with human beings is communicating. And when the most important part of communicating is to listen, not to talk, even though I'm talking a lot here. So, so you, would, you would wait. And if you do that, then you're, in, you're actually in the space that, allow, that allows them, with their confusion, to come into that space that not that you've created, but you, that you have not interfered with. You, it's actually, we're not separate. We're so fundamentally not se separate. It's heartbreaking to see how much people fight with each other. It's, it's heartbreaking to see that. So if you just sit there and you watch somebody who's having difficulty, and maybe you have an idea about what they should or shouldn't be doing, but you just wait, you could say. Uh, it wouldn't feel like waiting necessarily. You're just, you're looking at them. You're listening to them. You're watching what they say. You're, you're relating to their, uh, maybe their distress. And you wait, and then at some point they might actually turn to you and ask you, oh, "Is there anything? Can you think of anything I could do about this?" And you might find yourself coming out of your understanding of it rather than out of your thought process. If you come out of your opinions and your thought process, we're right back to more confusion. This is what the whole world is doing. Most of the world is fighting with everybody based on politics and.
philosophy and ideas of right and wrong. It's just uh, uh, difficult. More? Thank you. Michael? Is there a relationship between minding your own business and going to war or not going to war? <coughs> Why don't you paraphrase that? Because it's very confusing to me. If I'm, if I'm minding my own business, yes. it looks like I'm not going to war. Okay, got it. Now what's the question? Is there a relationship there? Yes. What is it? Not going to war. Solve your own problem. Answer your own question. Joseph. What's the difference between self-centeredness and minding your own business? Mm -hmm. So uh, self-centeredness is a, uh, could still be operating there because you have some kind of idea or some kind of ideal that say you don't want to be self-centered. Say you, you would rather be more understanding, just, just saying you could possibly that you would be functioning in that way. So one of the things you can do is to keep that, uh, keep uh, in order to not operate, not kick that self-centeredness into gear, uh, you could mind your own business. In other words, keep your, your uh, 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 confused thoughts to yourself. Take responsibility for how you feel, what you think, and everything, rather than thinking that it has to be pushed on somebody else as your ideas, your opinions, and so on. More? Um, Ayn Rand. Uh, I know her really well. Materialist, yeah. right? We were buds. You're buds? <laughs> the, the mundane past, she, she basically promoted that we should only focus on... She even wore a dollar sign. Ourselves, yes. Yeah, yeah but not her grave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I like that grave on her grave. <laughs> yeah. so it only worked for a length, certain length of time. <laughs> is there a, is there a spiritualism in self? I mean, she was trying to say that there's a spiritualism in self-centeredness. Mm -hmm. They, they, one of her characters had to take a vow that I will only try to make myself better. Was that an anthem? No, it was. Uh, Alice Shrugged. Shrugged. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what's the question? Well, is there is there a spiritualism there? No. Because it's it's just a it's just a highfalutin, highly polished form of of, uh, of the mundane path, which which uh, creates a in our teaching uh, uh, the there's the six realms or six states of mind that would be God realm, highly sophisticated God realm or a state of mind where everything is wonderful and peaceful and nobody's at war and and uh, a peaceable kingdom and uh, uh, but that's that's based on ex on avoiding something. It's based on avoiding uh, um, poverty you know, and not, not helping anyone, actually getting better by pushing other people down, albeit through just paying a minimum wage, you know, raising yourself up because you're the me, me, me person. So it's, uh, it's just an extreme form of egocentrism. I mean, that's how it looks. But, but I don't know. You should probably talk to her. She thinks, yes. We have to move on. Why? Dedicate the merit so we can do the damage on the Oh, okay. Well, I'd just like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that we have in the hallway. We appreciate and depend on your financial support. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.